Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit gets fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. It is good to be an overcomer. When you realize the truth as a believer, this life is the shortest thing we will ever do. And for believers, this is as bad as it will ever be. Right here, right now. <laughs> Everything after this is way better. Without the enemy causing you problems. Without all the resistance. And so, we can be overcomers here and now. In this stretch, in this short, brief uh, life on earth. God intends for us to learn valuable lessons in faith and trust and love and obedience and being led by Him and, uh, you know, like I said, trusting Him in every part. And the outcome is victory, 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 and then taking that experience with us into the next life and the next assignment. And so... Uh, uh, nothing that you learn about faith and overcoming in this life is a waste of your time. Not only does it help you here and now, it helps you in the next battle you face, in the next thing, because uh, hope makes not ashamed. Uh, things that try your faith and patience leave you stronger and more resi resilient. After you've been through a big storm, Little storms don't bother you as much anymore. Is that right? When, I mean, when you've been through a hurricane and people say, ooh, there's thunder, there's lightning, you're like, yeah, okay. But that, that, that ain't a big storm. <laughs> but if God can get you through the big storm, get you through the little storm, right? And even if a bigger thing comes up than you've ever experienced before, well, God got, through, got me through that. He'll get me through this. You develop a... Um, a strength. You develop an endurance. And that's what the word patience means in the scriptures. It actually means endurance. And through faith and patience, through faith and endurance, you will inherit it all. You'll get everything that the Lord wants you to have. So uh, come into the classroom. Let's release faith to get part of that now. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us agree together asking you for that which adds to us in our spirit, our understanding, our faith, uh, our vision of you and, and victorious living, uh, that which we need to come up higher, another step, another level, uh, more like the master as he lived this life victoriously. We know it's your will. We thank you for giving it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Say it out loud, class, I'm coming up. I'm, I'm, I'm coming up. Remember he talks about uh, forgetting those things that are behind. Uh, 
and reaching toward the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? Being just like the master, uh, living just as victoriously and just, just as overcoming life as him. That's what our call is. So uh, uh, if there's anybody in your life that you have a lot of respect for and you love, uh, you know, your parents, your ministers or whoever it is, that's good. But get your vision up a little higher. Go ahead and get it on up on the master himself. Huh? Because if you're impressed with somebody else, it's because to some degree they're like him. But you want to go ahead and, and just get your eyes on the mark, the high Mark, the, the prize, right? The master himself. Hallelujah. Because that's what he's, he wants to do in you is cause you to grow up in him to the full measure of Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm on my way. I'm on, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm headed that way. Um, we saw in Philippians 2 the healing of Epaphroditus. Let's continue with it. He, he said, verse 25, I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick. Now at this point, the man's already healed, already recovered, and they're up, they they had been upset because back then there wasn't the phones and the communication and the emails and the text and all that. Any kind of message had to be hand carried by uh, on a caravan or a messenger walking or with a donkey or on a slow boat. <laughs> uh, and all of that together could add up to months covering what we'd call a relatively, uh, not a big distance today, but back then, a hundred miles was a huge distance, much less a thousand. And that's what this is talking about, something in the area of a thousand miles. So um, they, word had gotten to them, so apparently Epaphroditus didn't just go and drop off the stuff and said, see ya. <laughs> he stayed, and Paul said that he had ministered to him, to his needs and wants. So he, he was his connection to the outside. And he facilitated, you know, things getting to him for a length of time. I think it had to be months when you put the whole thing together. And so over the course of that, the, the word had gotten back to them that he was deathly ill. And, and they had sent him on a mission from the church. It'd be just like you and if you're part of a church today and, and one of your you know, well-known members went to a danger, dangerous area with supplies to help a missionary or to help somebody that's doing the ministry and you didn't hear from them for months. And then when you did hear something, you heard they were sick, terribly sick at death's door. And that's the last thing you heard. And you're left hanging for months. <laughs> now, boy, our uh, instant message crowd today, 
don't like that. Is that right? We're like, I mean, nowadays, you text somebody and you watch to see if it shows that they got it and read it. And if there's two minutes, it's like, what's going on? Where are they? <laughs> Which is really kind of pitiful. <laughs> that folks are that tethered. And, and, and that, because what that is, is walking totally by sight. And depending on your little buzz or ding, or elsewise you're losing your peace and joy. <laughs> That's not being very spiritual. Huh? I mean, I'm not that old. But back when, uh, you know, uh, when Phyllis and I were dating, my wife, who became my wife, I mean, back when, you know, uh, not that long ago, I didn't even have a phone at home where we grew up. So I had to find a pay phone somewhere. <laughs> so suffice it to say, we would go days without any communication because at one point her folks uh, moved them to a different school. And, and I, I had a job. I, I worked a job when I was 13. And so... Um, we started dating when we were teenagers, and, and so uh, I'd have to find the, uh, the phone, the pay phone, and, and kids today would say, what's that? <laughs> yeah, a pay phone? Yeah, there was a booth <laughs> that you open the little sliding glass door and get inside and put change into the phone, and, and the kids are going, you're joking. <laughs> no! Huh? But we would go, and it was just a common thing. You'd go to work, and there was no communication until you saw people at the end of the day. And especially if you did other kind of work, it could be days with no communication at all. And somehow we survived <laughs> without a play-by-play -play of I ate Cheerios, and there was milk, and I used this spoon. Here's a, here's a picture of it. It's really kind of silly. <laughs> but worse than that, it has eaten up all of your time. And if your mind's there, where is it not? Where is your mind not? On the things of God and on his plan for your life? And you got to watch. The, the enemy is a master of distraction. He wants to keep you splintered and distracted all over the place and waste the best years of your life and only wake up later and realize, I have wasted so much time on nothing and now my life is almost over. And what have I done with that? Uh, say it out loud, Lord, Lord enlighten, me. enlighten me. Show me how. Show me how. To redeem my time. To make the best use. And highest use. Of my time. My resources. My opportunities. Show me what's important. What's not important. What's a good use of my time. What's a waste of my time. Thank you. 
for helping me. In Jesus' name. <laughs> How do we get into all that? Well, it's important, isn't it? Especially in, in our age with all of the stuff we got going. But they didn't have all that. And by the time the message had gotten to them, that their you know, guy that they liked so much, brother, I mean, the, the word spread around, word of mouth, through the church at Philippi and through the area of villages in Macedonia. Did you hear about Brother Epi? What? Man, he, he, he's at death's door. Well, that actually was two months ago. <laughs> and no, <laughs> he's healthy as a horse. <laughs> but they're all upset. And so eventually when the word gets back to Paul and Epaphroditus that all these folks are so upset because Epi's sick, the biggest thing was it bothered him. And it bothered Paul. And that's why verse 25 starts out by saying that he thought it was necessary to send him to them post haste. So I, apparently, Epi hand delivers this letter. <laughs> and so before they read the letter, they could see what's in the letter that Epi's okay. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> when they get to the part reading the letter where it says, but God had mercy on him and healed him. They're like, we already knew that. We saw him when he, when he came in. So what lessons are there for us to learn? Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by everything you hear. Don't panic over bad reports. Realize you never know the whole story when it comes to things down here. And even if something is naturally as bad as we heard that it was, because this was bad. He was bad. He was at death's door. He was a breath away from dying. He was in bad, bad shape. Yet, it wasn't the end. God had mercy on him. Is God still having mercy today? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Would God have mercy on you and on your people and on your church and your ministers and your things? Yes. Everybody said out loud, God, my God, is a merciful God. He has mercy on me and all mine. I live in the mercies of God. Do you remember the 23rd Psalm? Anybody remember that? What's the, what's the last part of it? Surely. Sure. Don't you like that word? Not maybe. Not we hope so. Not we'll see. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So mercy's God's will. And so no matter how hard of a, of a hit or attack or a blow happens to your people or you or around you, you know this, it's not over. It's not over. And, and when maybe somebody goes to the doctor and gets a bad report and this, this is uh, uh, incurable, this is uh, terminal, uh, whatever, that's all they know. That's, they're telling you what they see. And maybe they're reporting that accurately. But that's not all there is. I said, that's not all there is. They don't know the whole story either. But we know somebody who does. And his mercy endures forever. Oh, hallelujah. 
And you can be in the worst situation on the planet, but it's not too bad that the mercy of God can't get you out. The mercy of God can get you out of anything and everything bad that could ever possibly happen to you. But, but before we get, you know, we, we're going to count even more on this. Uh, we're not done with that. Because to me, that's, that's one of the biggest parts of this whole story is uh, not just the delivery, not just the sickness, but the mercy of God. Yeah. Right? Because that fixed everything. Amen. That allowed him to go back and for them to all shout about how their homeboy made it back <laughs> from this crazy thousand mile missionary trip and made it back in good health. I mean, his mama was saying, boy, you look better than when you left. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> Praise God. Uh, he longed after them. And at the point where he heard that they were upset, it bothered him. And he had heaviness because they had heard that he had been sick. Like we said before, this is so different than how unspiritual people act. Unspiritual people want you to know about their problems. They want you to be upset. If you're not upset when they're having a bad problem, I've seen people get mad. They're like, you don't even care? Here I am. I was about dead. Nobody even cared. <laughs> so then you wanted them to be upset. You wanted them to miss sleep. That doesn't speak well of you. Right? If you care about them, you don't want them going through distress over you and your stuff. Especially when you know you know how to believe God. Right? And so a spiritual person is not casting their cares on their family and their friends and their co-workers and they're not telling everybody about their problems and their dire needs and, and all this because for one thing they know most people I shouldn't say most people a lot of people are not going to get in faith with you all they're going to do is get upset and that doesn't help you and you don't need even if you love them you don't need somebody asking you 20 times a day, how do you feel? Amen. Now, come on, don't give me that faith talk. How do you really feel? <laughs> when you're fighting for your life, you don't need that. I said you don't need that. They mean well, but spiritual things are real. And you, you need to be able to focus on the right thing. It's a challenge enough for you to ignore all these feelings and symptoms and focus on the right thing without other people trying to get your focus on the wrong thing with them. But the bigger thing is love. Notice with me again, back in, in this same chapter, in the third verse, he said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, a lot of times people read that and they don't even like the sound of it and because they have their own self-made verses. Uh, well, you know, I don't feel like I'm better than anybody else, but I don't feel like anybody else is better than me either. 
Where's that scripture? <laughs> You're laughing because you've heard stuff like this. And people are adamant about what they believe that is so unbiblical, so contrary to Scripture. No, you're not to uh, think ill of yourself. You're not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. But you are to realize and acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus and appreciate who you are to Him and be thankful for that. But he's talking about a focus, uh, not being self-centered. Not being self-focused, not only thinking about your things. See, he goes on in the very next verse. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's how you esteem others better than yourself, is you treat their situations more significant than yours. And you, you focus on helping them. And if anybody needs to sacrifice you're willing to, to help them come out. And if, if, if they need focus to help get them through their situation, then in this case, they may not even need to know what I'm dealing with. Because they got enough, can, come on, can you see this? And we're going to esteem their situation uh, more time sensitive than mine, more, you know, uh, important to deal with right now. In, instead of burdening other people with our issues. Always, you know, telling people. Uh, social media has become a big way that people are just uh, broadcasting their problems. And that's not faith. Hmm? And, and we talked about this earlier uh, in this fourth chapter, you know, where he said... Uh, uh, in chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be posted on the world wide <laughs> web <laughs> to your 3,000 followers or your 300,000 or, or whatever it is. Why? So that they can really appreciate the angst. I'm experiencing at the moment. Do they really need to know the angst you're experiencing at the moment or should you not be dealing with the angst that you're experiencing? Should you be careful for nothing? And like 1 Peter 5 talks about, should you cast all your cares on your followers? Huh? Casting all your cares and all your needs on your followers, on, the, on your, those who have liked you. Huh? <laughs> now we're laughing, but are you going to be a carnal person like somebody that's not even saved? Totally self-focused, self-centered, wanting everybody to know about my, my bout, how, how bad I'm feeling and, and how down I am and, and what I need and how bad somebody treated me and, and on and on. There's no end to it. It just goes on and on and on and on. How hurt I was over their comments. How I couldn't even go to work. You're just telling people how carnal you are. Right. 
how weak you are, how childish you are. No. Do people really need to know all that stuff? See, Epaphroditus, when they found out he was near dead sick, he was like, I didn't want them to know that. I didn't want them dealing with that. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you didn't solicit people's attention, they found out about it, and they're faith people too, and they want to help you, well, don't reject their help. I'm not saying that. But you don't go around soliciting people's sympathy. And you don't play on it, because if you use a sickness, you will never lose that sickness. It is staying with you, right? You can't use it to solicit people's attention and sympathies. A lot of this stuff starts when people are children. You want to train them, no, no, don't use it to get out of work. Don't use it to skip school. Don't use it to make people feel sorry for you and wait on you and do your chores. That's how you stay sick. That's how it gets worse. No, there are times you need to uh, wash your face, get dressed, Get your little self in gear, is that right? And cast the care of that thing over on the Lord, and you don't have to tell everybody about it. You're believing God. And if He tells somebody about something that helps you with it, that's, that's fine. That's the Lord answering your prayer and helping you, but that wasn't you pulling on them. That wasn't you pressuring them for anything. Somebody said out loud, Lord, I'm casting all my cares. Not on other people, but on you. I don't carry them myself, and I don't try to get other people to carry them. I cast them on you like you told me to do. And I accept your peace that passes understanding, keeping my heart, keeping my mind. Thank you, Lord. You are my victory. I trust in you. Hallelujah. 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 And that's what Brother Epi did. What a good example that is for us. Our time's up again today, but there's more to be found out about this passage. Come back with us for some more broadcasts next week. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've sure enjoyed being with you again this week in Faith School. We're making progress. We are getting stronger. Uh, In this passage, we're seeing about how that the partners sowed into Paul and he exclaimed to them in verse 19 of chapter 4, Philippians, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I know a number of you are partners with us. We so appreciate it. Our faith is with you that just like you have been a part of the needs of this ministry being met, that all your needs, I can say it boldly, just like Paul did, all your needs will be supplied by our God, just like he has met our needs, your needs are met. I call every bill paid, I call every need met, I call your debts paid off, I call your obligations fulfilled, and your contracts and your endeavors successful and profitable, your ventures blessed, I speak increase over them in Jesus' name. Said out loud, my God does supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you. Just like you're hooked with us, 
on our needs being met, we're hooked with you on your needs being met. Come back, join us again next week to get your faith fed some more. We'll see you soon here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.